Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. My name is Deanna Laufer, along with my co host Sam Stern. You'll hear our voice each week. Welcome to another episode of Forrester CX Cast. My name is Deanna Laufer, and I'm here with my co-host Sam Stern. Hello. And today in the studio, we have senior analyst visiting all the way from London, uh, Joanna Vandenbrink Quintanilla. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Sure. Um, and Joanna is going to talk about her recent research on um, adopting the right governance model for your journey mapping efforts. So tell us, Joanna... Why does journey mapping governance matter? It matters because it's really hard work recalibrating organizations to um, effectively use journey maps to understand and serve increasingly powerful customers across business silos and across organizational structures. structures. So you need a governance model in order to create accountability, in order to prioritize the right initiatives, and also to create sustainability for, um, for those customer experience initiatives. So the governance is something that becomes important once you determine you're going to do more than one journey mapping exercise in a sense? I think even for just that one journey mapping exercise mm -hmm. that you do, so if you're doing it sort of on an ad hoc basis to do um, on a very tactical um, customer experience initiative, you still have to make sure that you've identified the right stakeholders and that they feel ownership for driving those initiatives because otherwise you're going to be le you're going to end up with a journey map that's not driving any action. Good. I think that's a it's a great uh, correction to the assumption in my question because even if you're going to do this once, the governance helps you get the most value out of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's really important. So, um, how do you pick the right governance model for your journey mapping efforts? So we've talked to a lot of companies about this, and we've seen that there are different approaches to journey mapping. So you mentioned using journey mapping for just the one initiative. Um, that's how a lot of companies start. What we see is that we have companies take either an ad hoc or a systematic approach to journey mapping, and they also use it um, for reactive purposes uh, as well as proactive purposes. So it's almost like um, a, a two-by-two two matrix where you hmm. have companies that do it ad hoc reactively or um, systematically reactively, or they do it ad hoc proactively to identify innovation. So there's different approaches to their, to their journey mapping efforts. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by ad hoc versus systematic and what that looks like? Sure. So ad hoc companies use journey maps often as a single-use tool to attack a known time-sensitive customer problem like a decrease in product revenue or um, uh, falling retention rates or a new competitor. And so the ad hoc approach is a way for companies that are just beginning with their customer experience journey to make, often to make a broader case for customer experience by building a success story through initiatives that come out of that journey mapping exercise. Okay. And so what would systematic look like? 
So systematic would look would be companies who are doing a lot of many of these journey maps or many of these initiatives. So they have lots of these initiatives in flight mm -hmm. and um, they need to they're using it across different silos, across different functions, um, different stakeholders. They're doing it sort of, you know, in gr cross functional groups still, but at a much wider scale. Is there an example of a company you could uh, name for our audience that that is systematic about journey mapping efforts? Sure. So, for instance, um, Eon, utility company, mm -hmm. um, they so they started um, ad hoc, um, reactively, sort of focusing on one specific initiative, but they have over time built that into a very wide scale journey mapping um, program that is used across um, 11 of their markets, and they have teams in all of those markets that are applying journey mapping as a methodology and using it to drive the most important initiatives for that particular market. So they're an example of a company that started small and has really moved on to hmm. a systematic approach. And there's, there's many examples. That's interesting. I, I hadn't really been thinking of it that way, but the fact that you don't pick one of these um, categories and stick with it necessarily, uh, but rather that you can uh, move between them as, as hopefully as you get more mature or I guess as, as the, you know, the situation on the ground changes at your organization. Exactly. And actually what we also see, for instance, is that companies that have a very innovative outlook, for instance, may actually start with a more ad hoc proactive approach. Mm. So they would be focusing on a particular journey, but they would be, for instance, future state mapping rather than doing a current state map. Right. So the kind of organization you are and your outlook also determines which approach you take. Right. Okay. And you've touched on it a little bit, but can you really break down for, for our listeners the, the difference between the reactive and the proactive approaches? Sure. So, um, so the reactive approach is really looking at what are your customers telling you today? What are their pain points? Um, how do you put in place initiatives that address some of those things? A proactive approach is looking much more at designing the right experiences in the first place. So mm. you're looking at um, preemptively assessing the impact of changes in policy or in process or in product or technology and really looking at how do things that are going on within the organization that are, and that are changing affect my customers. And you're preemptively looking to design those into your journeys or designing innovative journeys that create new experiences for your customers. So you talked about this being sort of a, a two-by-two two matrix where a company might find its journey mapping approach in one of these four quadrants. So then what, what does the different... Um, governance look like for each of those, you know, each of those quadrants? So the governance, um, you sort of, I think about it in terms of three things. So the governance touches on prioritization. So there's different, different approaches require different ways of prioritizing initiatives. Mm -hmm. It differs in terms of process. So the different approaches will require different, different types of guidelines and standards. So different process of, uh, of applying the journey mapping and the, in, and driving the initiatives and also different different styles of ownership of the of the journey mapping methodology but also of the initiatives that are being driven so for instance um, more systematic approaches require a cross-functional prioritizational model. So you have lots of customer journeys in flight and you're working on different initiatives, so you need a way to prioritize across functions and make sure that everyone's focusing on the right things. 
um, you also need to create clear boundaries, for instance, because mm. we, when you have so many people working on journey maps, you want to make sure that their that work isn't being duplicated and that everyone is aware of how their work affects other journeys um, and other work being done. You also need common standards and tools. If you have lots of people working on a journey mapping um, process, you need to make sure that they are that there's some minimum requirements for that and that they're, they are using the right methodology and the, and the, and the consistent methodology. Um, for instance, we see that for proactive approaches, it's really important that you bring the right people into that process as well. So people who can think a little bit more um, blue sky, who are able, who have a lot more, um, a lot more focus on design, for instance. So the types of people that you bring into that and the kind of ownership you set up is, is very different depending on whether you're taking a reactive or proactive or a systematic or ad hoc approach. Um, go back to the, the Eon example that you referenced mm -hmm. earlier. Um, you know, you've got journey mapping happening in all these different countries. Is you know, is part of their systematic approach that they have some mechanism to sort of share insights that are coming from the different countries? Because I'd imagine there's got to be some similarities between a uh, utility customer in England and one in Sweden or one in Spain, right? Absolutely. So what they so they have created um, journey functions in all of their markets. So they have people who are have accountability for driving those initiatives, are on the ground and know the the regulatory mm -hmm. um, context that they need to 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 work with. Um, but um, and they also have so the central customer experience team at Eon provides um, templates and they provide they they guide these teams and these these functions in terms of metrics in terms of what they should be focusing on, but they also have a um, a, a call which they have on a monthly basis where all of these teams call into in order to share initiatives to share best practices things they've learned mm. and also to celebrate success. So you want to also make sure that you are rewarding people who are doing great work um, right. in terms of customer experience. Okay, great. So that call, that's a good example of, you know, part of your journey mapping governance, right? They, they get together regularly, they share best practices, they encourage each other, um, they celebrate their, their, their wins. That's good. Absolutely. So you have to, I mean, particularly when you start to spread the, the, the responsibility for journey mapping and driving those initiatives, you've got to make sure that you're communicating in all directions. So you're yeah. communicating upward, sideways, downward. So everyone needs <laughs> to, of course, be, um, you know, be informed of uh, and be informed and also sharing best practices and celebrating the good work that you're doing. So that's that's really key. So it seems to me, you know, whether you're doing journey mapping in an ad hoc, systematic, um, proactive, reactive way, if you're using one of these models, then you're thinking about journey mapping as a really sort of strategic part of your um, business, your customer experience program, thinking about prioritization people. Um, how can, what advice would you give to CX pros that also want to take a more strategic approach to journey mapping? So what we see is that um, a lot of um, a lot of companies who are doing some great work in journey mapping are unfortunately sometimes falling short and not really embracing, for instance, ecosystem thinking. So that's mm. one of the first pieces of advice that I would give is that um, companies that are doing journey mapping, they want to become more strategic about it. They really need to embrace ecosystem thinking to understand how um, people and process and technology really feed into these journeys to deliver good or bad um, uh, uh, experiences across these journeys. So that's, that's one thing that I would definitely urge customer experience professionals to do if they're not doing already. 
Um, the other thing that we've seen be quite successful um, or quite effective in some companies is um, when um, customer experience teams themselves organize by journeys. Um, and the, the reason why that can be quite effective is that it gives a really clear message to the rest of the organization that journeys and their customers' journeys are important and that it's really clear within the business who they should approach when they have an initiative that affects a particular journey. So that's that's something that, for instance, um, the customer experience at Pitney Bowes has found really a really useful way of starting to really change that mindset within the organization to focus more on on journeys. Can I ask you, the an, an owner of JourneyMap is that their their main job, or is that something that they do alongside their 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 primary job? Do they keep their day job, or do they mm-hmm. become this full time JourneyMap owner? So it depends. We see both, in mm-hmm. fact. So some companies, for instance, um, at uh, the Royal Bank of Scotland, they have really professionalized the role of journey mm-hmm. maps, uh, journey mappers. Um, so these are people who are doing this, in essence, full time. Yeah. Um, they have a an accreditation program that they've created for um, for that as well. Um, so, so it can be something that you really do full time. In other cases, so for instance, the Eon example that I mentioned earlier, they have journey managers appointed at um, at sort of at the local level. Those are um, quite senior people who are responsible, accountable for journeys, but they're not. That's not sort of their full time job. But they do have. Um, sort of sub-journey owners um, and cross-functional journey owners um, that report into them whose full-time job is to drive initiatives from that journey. So we see yeah. we see a combination of the two, and I think it depends on your maturity, sort of which one you might need to, to go for. For listeners who want to hear more about this research, they can check out Joanna's latest report called Adopt the Right Governance Model for Your Journey Mapping Efforts. Joanna, is there any other um, research that you think listeners might be interested in that that they could check out? Sure. So um, uh, I would definitely also advise that they read um, Journey Mapping Best Practices. Um, So um, so find out about all the different ways that you can use Journey Maps. But also if you are going or if you are already using or thinking of using a proactive approach, you should definitely also read about um, future state journey mapping uh, in order because that's really sort of a different technique that you need to use to, to to, to map to-be journeys rather than current state journeys. Okay, great. And we'll link to all of those reports in the podcast notes. Um, Thanks so much for joining us in the studio today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in this episode in the podcast show notes. For questions or suggestions, please contact me at dlaufer at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.